trade disputes, and the potential impact on Tennessee farmers and agriculture's continued economic strength across the volunteer state. Hello, I'm Charles Denny. This is AgCast, brought to you by the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Despite another year of international trade conflicts, research from the UT Institute of Agriculture outlines the continued economic strength of the agroforestry industry in Tennessee, an estimated $81 billion to our economy and 342,000 jobs. Detailed analysis from the Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics are included in the 2020 volume of an economic report to the governor of the state of Tennessee. I'm joined now by two UTIA faculty members who helped author the report. Dr. Andrew Muhammad is the Blassen Game Chair of Excellence in Economic Policy at UTIA, and Dr. Aaron Smith, Associate Professor and Crop Marketing Specialist. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, let's begin. Andrew, talk about the report itself. Why the importance of compiling all this information, a lot of detail involved in this? Why the importance of doing that, you think? Yeah, usually when you do a report like this, the overall purpose is to both look at sort of the agricultural economy from an historical perspective, trends over time, and to get some idea of where things are going in the future, mm -hmm. right? And since agriculture is such an important part of the state, when we think about the overall robustness of the state economy, something that's going to be vital mm -hmm. is sort of the lives of farmers, the rural economy, as well as the overall agroforestry complex as it relates to crop production, livestock production, all the way up to food processing and these highly specialized products like wine. And, and, and even when you get to new products and new commodities and like the production of hemp and the rise of these new markets, it's yeah. good to see that all in one snapshot to have some idea of where we've been and where we're going. Right, and I know Aaron, farm families, they can sometimes have really great years, and the next year it could turn around and just be totally different. Uh, anything about the report jump out at you? Any surprises? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a few. Obviously, the rise of hemp was a big change in, mm -hmm. in Tennessee, and, and one of the other purposes of the report is to make sure that policymakers have the appropriate information about, one, the importance of the agriculture economy to the state, both from a production agricultural standpoint, but also from a processing standpoint. There's multiple aspects that pr production agriculture filters through in terms of economic impact. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for, for, for policymakers and government officials to understand the importance of that. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the economy is always changing. Um, production agriculture is always changing. So one of the other ones that really jumped out in the report is we've kind of entered a new period in terms of pricing where, yes, there's still continued volatility, but we're coming off of some really high years back in, in 2010 through 2013. And we've entered kind of a, a flat uh, or slightly depressed price period mm -hmm. where it can end up putting um, strain on, on several farm families and the, the rural economy. So I think it's important to make sure that uh, people are aware of what's going on, picking up the larger scale trends and looking at alternatives that we can help increase overall prosperity. I've heard in the past, you know, that dollars turn over in a community, that when a, when a farm family does well, they spread those dollars around the community. They buy, farmers buy new trucks, they buy new equipment, or those dollars are spent. So, so everyone is really impacted. The economy economy is impacted by the ag economy, right? Yes, no, no, that's the case, and that's, 
you find that overall with any type of industry or any type of sector, right, where the, the, the income that individuals make are turned over. The income is turned over in the economy through their additional purchases. Mm-hmm. So that's the case. But I, one of the things I do want to stress, at least, about the state of Tennessee and the importance of agriculture mm-hmm. is how important certain sectors are that we even tend not to think about. So if you take something like Tennessee whiskey, Right, mm-hmm. you tend not to think of that as an agricultural product, but it is the base right. and the foundation of it. And even on the sort of outside of traditional agriculture, the forestry sector mm-hmm. being particularly big, and you think about all the jobs associated with those sectors, the income that turned and the money spent, you're exactly right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Aaron, uh, talk to about some of the challenges that farm families are facing uh, here as we head into 2020. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, when, when prices are lower um, and, and in, inputs have not come down at the same speed as, as prices have, so you have real tight margins for a lot, of, a lot of people. So they're trying to find ways where they can cut expenses and seek out new alternatives for, for additional revenue. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we've seen uh, the rise of some alternative crops, um, specialty crops. Hemp, obviously, was the large hot topic in 2019, and we expect that that will remain a, an important topic in 2020. Um, but again, it, it's very important for uh, the stability of this income or farm level income to make sure that these rural economies have continued circulation of that money. So again, when you look at the economic impact, when the farmers have less money to spend, it trickles through these rural communities, creating a, a, a difficult set of circumstances, not just for the farm families, but for a lot of the more rural counties in Tennessee as well. Sure, yeah, we're all impacted by the ag economy, definitely. Talk about, guys, just how the system itself works. I mean, you know, maybe people people get commodity prices and, and that farmers are impacted by that, but talk about how the system itself works. I mean, if I grow a 1,000 acres of corn, that's not because the kids want corn on the cob every night. I mean, we're looking to sell that. Talk about how the system works. All right, so if you take a commodity like cotton, for instance, where we rank particularly high in terms of both production Mm -hmm. as well as exports in terms of the state, how it ranks compared to other states, we're clearly talking about a market to where the majority of what we sell goes to foreign countries, Mm -hmm. right? And then process into clothing and other fabrics and textiles and then actually imported back into the country in the form of finished products, right? Um, We take a sector like soybeans, for instance, where over half of what we produce, at least prior to the trade war, is then exported to China and then processed into, say, soybean oil, soybean meal, and animal feed. And so the point is you're 100% right that we're talking about a fully integrated global system to where even though farmers may think in sort of a local mindset and this sort of local production, a lot of what we do is to satisfy global demand for food and agriculture overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, specific to your corn example there, I mean, we grow corn in Tennessee for multiple reasons. Right. Uh, the vast majority is, is grown for, for animal feed or for, mm-hmm. for ethanol production are the two primary uses, but we also have different types of corn that we grow, both for, for human consumption, so your corn on your cob, uh, canned corn, popcorn, those make up a much smaller amount of the acreage. Thousand acre corn plots are typically more associated with the ethanol industry or for animal feed or for export markets. So again, even within these small individual commodity categories, 
there's a, a huge uh, diversity of what the use is and how those products are priced. So when we simply quote one price for corn, yeah. um, that doesn't apply to all, all categories of corn. Different types um, will end up having vastly different price and production methods and, and additional um, differences in, in revenue and yield as well. We hear a lot about um, trade with China, tariffs, Talk about uh, how all of that is impacting uh, the American farmer and the Tennessee farmer now. So um, the trade war, and particularly the tariffs that China has imposed on agriculture, basically has two effects. So one is that because um, tariffs represent a tax on imports, it makes importing more expensive. So as a result, the Chinese are importing less agricultural products. Mm -hmm from the United States. But then on the flip side, that leads to an excess supply on global markets. And so these tariffs also have the secondary effect of depressing world prices. So you really get sort of two negative impacts, lower world prices overall for US agricultural commodities, while at the same time, a smaller volume being exported and traded. And Aaron, when you talk to farmers, are, are they concerned about this? Do you hear that from them? Well, ab absolutely. I mean, anytime you end up having lower commodity prices, that's always a concern. It does affect their, mm -hmm. their decisions moving forward in terms of production because all commodities are not affected equally. So commodities that rely more on, on exports, such as soybeans and cotton, are going to be more affected than some of the ones that maybe we use more domestically. Um, there are also income ramifications for, for farm income. Now, thankfully, through some of the, uh, the market facilitation program payments, some of that negative income consequence has been somewhat mitigated, but it is a concern and it does add a degree of unknown because we don't know if these payments are going to continue in future years. It'll be interesting to see how prices respond as we move through this phase one portion of the, the China-US trade agreement. And yesterday you guys were talking about kind of safety nets for farmers. Um, talk about that, that th those are available, um, sometimes they're necessary. Talk about, uh, about, about what farmers have available there. So we typically have sort of through the farm bill, a safety net for farmers through subsidized crop insurance, mm -hmm. as well as um, programs to in the past, it was directly to support agricultural prices, but one could argue it's doing that indirectly. But it's basically income and revenue support when that falls below a certain specified level. What's taking place now is actually sort of a special bailout package, and that's solely due to the negative consequences of the U.S.-China trade war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically when you look at the, the what I would call the traditional farm safety net, there's kind of two major component, components of it. Um, for row crops. So the first one Andrew mentioned was, was crop insurance, uh, which basically provides in-season or during the growing season protection for farmers against decreases in price and yield. Or we have what's known as commodity programs where you are receiving payments from the government over a five-year interval is typically how long the, the farm bill lasts if prices um, drop or if revenue ends up dropping. So it's a support network to make sure that we can kind of keep um, a stable farm income. The ones that, uh, that have been instituted for, for trade are what we would refer to as an ad hoc payment or, or one-time payments or non-reoccurring money. And that's a little bit different. And so that was done through separate um, programs than what was underneath the farm bill. 
but the farm bill one and these these uh, market facilitation program payments have have been very um, needed by by producers in Tennessee and across the U.S. to keep their income stabilized. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm optimistic for the new year. I mean, I think most farmers are are naturally optimistic. I think there's a tremendous amount of challenge. Um, obviously, we're not predicting um, huge changes in in price, both positive or or negative. Um, and there's there's definitely going to be a, a focus on global competition, I think, uh, particularly uh, with Brazil, who has uh, become a real agricultural force. Um, so again, trying to recoup some of the markets that are out there and maybe potentially establishing some new trade relationships that Andrew can probably talk a little bit more about. Well, I was going to ask you, Andrew, I mean, we saw that uh, exports to China down 37 uh, percent, but we have a new agreement with China. What do you see coming in 2020? Well, uh, first off, USDA is even sort of predicting a growth in U.S. agricultural exports in the year 2020. And a lot of that is actually based on the trade agreements we've recently negotiated. So there's the agreement with Japan, which has serious implications for U.S. Uh, livestock product exports. Mm-hmm. Um, we just recently, so USMCA, NAFTA 2.0 just passed in the Senate. And then obviously there's this phase one trade deal with China, and there's even its expectations of both a Europe, uh, trade agreement with the European Union as well as one with the U.K., the United Kingdom. And so taking all that in totality, one could see the possibility of export growth. Um, But in particular, the Chinese agreement, which on paper could lead to a 100% increase in U.S. agricultural exports to China compared to sort of what they were prior to the trade war. Now, um, there's still some questions about whether or not that's necessarily feasible on the part of the Chinese as buyers and on the part of the U.S. as sellers of agricultural products. But at least on paper, the amount that the Chinese have committed to is a huge increase for U.S. agricultural exports, not just to that country, but overall. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if farmers or farm families had questions, maybe um, any resources you'd recommend for them? Um, well, obviously, the University of Tennessee, uh, through their extension arm, uh, has several resources for row crop producers. Our department has has web information. Uh, plus, they can always get in contact with their local county county offices if they're looking for something that's county county specific. Uh, additionally, the USDA provides uh, numerous reports, uh, both at the national and at the state level, that can really assist producers that are are looking to make some some decisions for the twenty twenty crop year. Um, and the, and the last one I will say too is the TDA as well also does a great job in, in getting mm-hmm. resources and assisting producers with some of their 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 issues uh, and concerns within the state. Well, I think we all hope for a good year in agriculture and looking ahead into 2020, here's a prediction I'm going to make that you guys will be very busy uh, throughout the year. You'll be talking to people at a lot of seminars and field days and things like that. So Aaron Smith, Andrew Muhammad, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. For more real-life solutions provided by the UT Institute of Agriculture, go to our website at ag.tennessee.edu.